Hello, everyone, and welcome to another very special edition of Turned Out of Punk Mailbag. What? That's right. Today is an all mailbag edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. My name is Damien Abraham. With me is your other footnote host, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you, Dan? Good. I'm throwing myself off because we just recorded a regular footnote, so I'm trying to remember, is this real or is it just in my head now? Um, and also joining us, of course, when we have to do special operations, are our special teams, Dave and Dave, the U.S. affiliates. Dave and Dave, yes. how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I am also doing well. Excellent. I will uh, l- let the listeners know that I'm sitting outside of a church in McAllen, Texas, on tour with the Nightbirds, so I do not have access to the resource, and I'm, uh, I'm, but I know that it's okay to have wind noises available on the podcast yep. now, because late the episode, so I feel okay, but my head is in my jacket to try to shield wind. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but I think also at the same time, like, this podcast is about hearing real life discussions wherever reality may take place. And it's not always, you know, in a studio or in, you know, your garage. It's on the streets. Yeah. On the streets where it's real. I feel like everyone has had a dissecting of punk uh, nuances outside of a show. I'm just recording mine. Yep. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, And, uh, you know, this is like, that's basically what footnotes is the entire Genesis of this podcast is the conversation that you would have outside a show waiting for bands to start or not watching a band you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, not what you're I, doing. I mean, I'd also like to just throw it out there and just say, hey, as an older guy, I'm just not even going to watch this band I've never heard of. Whoa. You raise the bar. Whoa. <laughs> Something we all ta- we all do, but we no one talks about. <laughs> I mean, it's... Truth be told, I'd be watching them if it weren't for the podcast. No, I know, but, uh, absolutely. I'm choosing the podcast over it. You're choosing uh, old punk instead of new punk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we got a lot of old letters to get to. Yes. Right. Dave Martin, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah? Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah? You ready for this mailbag? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, let's dive in. Chris, are you going to take us on the first stop? You are a former mail carrier. So what better person usher us into this all mailbag episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to start off first one we received as a correction from Kel, our Norwegian correspondent. Actually, Chris, just before we get into the first email, yeah, postal carrier, one of the pu- punkest <laughs> professions, right? <laughs> I don't. I guess I don't know. No, it was the dude from uh, Twenty Four Hour Party People? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Which, which one? John the Postman. Isn't it John the Postman? Isn't it? The one who does the Louie Louie thing? Yeah. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that in that respect, I, I suppose. He's got a still, single. I still... What's that? He's got a single that came out, right? Someone else knows this. I don't know. Well, Dave Martin, do you know this? I, I don't know, but more importantly, I think this would make Chris the Mr. McFeely to Damien's Mr. Rogers. Whoa! <laughs> I mean, you guys have Mr. Rogers up there, right? Yeah, yes, go, yes. come on, dude. Do we have okay. Mr. Rogers up here? It's like he's practically Canadian with his sensibilities. 
<laughs> he is that cool. He, yeah. he is. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, because this is footnotes, John the Postman had three albums. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, let's go to the re- resource and check this guy out. Anyway, let's. Uh, well, do you have your first letter ready to go, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So the first one's a, a just a correction actually sent in from Kel. Uh, last week we discussed the Mask movie and the Stern Brothers, which I had said was just a, some sort of like an amalgamation of the Stern Brothers playing a swing band. Turns out it's actually um, Royal Crown Review, and the first lineup has the Stern Brothers in it. And uh, it's discussed in the Let Them Know movie, apparently. So that was from Kel, and appreciated as always. Yes. And that is our first one out of the way. I saw the Royal Crown Review, and I'm trying to remember who they opened for. Goldfinger, maybe? I saw them, I think, at... Uh, I feel like I saw them at a Warp Tour or something. Okay. Did they yeah, play a Warp yeah, Tour? that Come makes sense. Warp Tour. I think they were on, yeah. uh, you know, what's-his-name's label. The guy who runs the Warp yeah. Tour's label. I thought, though, they also, if I'm not mistaken, I thought they they put out a record on BYO, maybe, too. Yeah, I think you may be right. I don't All know. Right. This is more than I ever thought we'd talk about Royal Care Review. <laughs> yep, let's move on. I also think the confusion was, I always thought the thing was, they were in at the same time as the Royal Crowns were from Toronto. And the Royal Crowns okay. featured never, Teddy Fury, um, who was like, you know, like old school rockabilly guy in Toronto. But they was also put out by Horseshoe Records. But the publicist in charge of it, Alison Baker. To bring oh. it back to footnotes. Yep. Previous guest. Previous Teen guest. Crud. T Crud Combo. Arguably the coolest person ever from Toronto. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyway. Well done. I had to bring it all back. Okay. Um, so correction noted. Um, also, there are there are two John the Postman records, uh, according to the resource, and they both go for uh, a pretty penny on Bent Records. <laughs> well, good Same label to put the nonsensibles. <laughs> all right, nice. Nonsensibles, sorry. But anyway, okay, next next point. Are you taking this email? Uh, I, I will take this next email. Well, should we do this email, or should we do uh, the point that I got sent to my Instagram? First. Yeah, sure. Do that. Do that. Okay. So let me get my gram damage. I don't, want up the, here. I don't want the Dave's egos to get too big on this next message too quick. So Yeah, we so got to bring him down we'll to earth them. right away. Um, yep. Where? God, there's a lot of people writing in about the weed I'm posting now on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard to get. It's going to get confused between it. Okay, okay I can't find the want, message right now. But he was. Do you want me to, do, I was going to say, do you want me to read the email while you look for that message? Yeah, sure. You look, read the email while I look for this message. Okay. So this is uh, subject is more Daves and thank you from Spencer K. Uh, it writes, I love the regular podcast, but Footnotes is by far my favorite. I know you talked about having both Daves on the mailbag special, which we're recording right now, uh, but I'd love to hear them on more episodes beyond that. The four of you are great together. Thanks for doing this. I went to my first hardcore show last night, saw Expire and Bent Life. All the talk about community on here was spot on. I've been to a lot of metal shows alone, but I've never been welcomed like I was last night. The community was great. And I probably wouldn't have begun looking into this type of music as much without the podcast. And that is the end from Spencer. So, Dave's, what do you think about that? I oh, think, shucks. Yeah. 
And I think it's crazy to be way into the footnotes but not be actively going to shows already. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're a bit inside. So yeah, I, no, I applaud this person's gumption. Yeah, totally. My, Damien, my, my first point is fake news um, because there's no way that someone would write in and say the Daves were adding to the show. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. Like, that's like the, I, I can truly say that's the last thing I ever thought would come about from this show because I thought, like Dave said, it's like the nerdiest shit in the world that we're talking about here. So the fact that it has had that effect is the best possible byproduct of this thing I can think of. Agreed. Agreed. Um, But yeah, so thank you very much for that. And, uh, you know, of course, we love having the Daves on here uh, as much as as we can because they are, of course, they're the team, you know, D&D, Double Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) You're really using that Double Dragon a bunch lately. Well, you know, let me, I got to tell you something. Anything with a D in it as a kid, I had a, I had an affinity for. Mm-hmm. Dynamite Kid was my favorite member of the British Bulldogs. Wow. But I did love Davy Boy Smith, too, because there's two <laughs> Ds in that one. So I just really love that tag team. <laughs> did you unearth the message, Dave? Uh, no, I got distracted by that thought of my, my, my love of D's. Uh, and I, no, I can't, I can't seem to find it. And I, I thought it was on Instagram, but maybe it was sent to me on another service, but the gist of it, I can't give the person credit. So I apologize, but the, the message was more or less just kind of, Oh, you know what? They tagged me in a post. That's how it was go. done. No, it wasn't done that way. <laughs> I have no idea where it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, but they were asking what our thoughts were about Crucial Youth because oh, their opinions were that Crucial Youth was a great band and we talk about youth crew on here all the time, but we've never really talked about Crucial Youth. Um, so I'm going to throw this out to the floor first and foremost because it is a New Jersey band, right? Oh, yeah. And it Jam does and have. Jim. And I, I think, doesn't it have. No, maybe it doesn't have a Pittsburgh connection. I thought there was some weird Pittsburgh connection. No, I don't think so. Okay. But I would say this actually goes back to um, Tony Rettman in a way, you know, like where, where like Don, his older brother Don was sort of giving him shit about youth of today saying there's no way this is real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe he was just confused and he was thinking <laughs> of crucial youth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The youth because, is not what, a joke. Because, because what was the what was their quote unquote real band? Was it um, PED or something like that? Was it PED? Yeah, P- I, B- I think so. P- yeah, PED is uh, Chris Pierce was in not Chris Pierce. Uh, Chris Ross was in uh, that band, and I believe. Yeah, I think there are crucial youth related. That's yeah, not something I think about, but I think you're you're correct on that. Yeah, so maybe Don was just confused and was giving Tony shit needlessly. <laughs> I, I do love this band because they do cover I'm Straight, the Jonathan Richmond and Modern Lover song on their Christmas record, and they do have a Christmas record, but I was one of those people that I never really liked joke straightage stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously I, I was not my favorite band, but I, I'm not opposed to it. And gentleman Jim's is is truly a gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm not opposed to it either. Like, I don't. I, like, it just was. 
you know, and there there were a lot of bands like Grudge. There there are a bunch of straight edge ones from back then that were all kind of like doing that. And Crucial Youth is definitely the best of all of them, I think. As yeah, I, that Grudge Seven Inch is pretty fucking sick, actually. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but like yeah, like I just I don't know, and I think it was probably. Uh, you know, probably because at that time, like that was very important to me as as a young person, and like I don't think I was secure enough with myself to hear people mock it. Not that I was like a hardline militant or anything at the same time, but what was your stance on good clean fun at at, at the at the onset? At the at the very onset, like shopping for a crew, seven inch came out on Fight Records. Mm-hmm. I bought it because I thought it was like just good, like it was a novelty ish record. Um, and I, some of my favorite human beings ever, ever have been in that band, uh, mm. but not a fan at the time. I I <laughs> bought the first two singles and then saw them and then was like, oh, this is, they're taking it too far. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was funny. But then seeing it live, I'm like, they're taking this really serious. Yeah. And then, yeah. I, I, yeah. And then it was a real band. Over. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. They, they 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 did more of that band than I'll ever do with my musical career. <laughs> yeah, they did more of that band than, than any any band does with most of their music career. They play places that like, you know, like like uh, like like world travelers have not gone to. Yeah. <laughs> like they were they were blazing international touring tr- trails for forever. Like there's probably they people were, uh, that still haven't forgiven it. Yeah, they were like a non mid to early 80s hardcore band that would still do like a six month or nine month like touring cycle yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then like I you know like I think I was like once again you know much harsher on them than I probably should have been uh, mm-hmm. at the time like you know but but I once again like was probably you know just not into the fact they were a joking straight edge band and it's also hard because like then at a certain point their songs were serious like is this song about how uh, like, is this song meant to be serious or is this song meant to be a joke too? Or, you know, um, but they had definitely had a huge impact in hardcore and like play places and two crowds. Like they were like, God, at the time when there was like no youth crew bands coming to Toronto, they were like the closest thing we got for a, a couple months. Yeah. They probably like, they probably did like a month long Canadian tour. <laughs> they definitely played a month long Canadian tour. They definitely played, <laughs> <laughs> to play to open for them one time uh mike and ryan had this band called where it ends and oh it was it was after that so it was walls around us and it was walls around us and ben filled in and we all piled in a van al biddle from rammer and toxic holocaust drove us and we drove to montreal to open for good clean fun and i wasn't in the oh, band wow. i just drove to roadie <laughs> just to be part of the crew just to be part of the yeah. crew you know and then they came to Toronto I think they played one of the first No Warning shows later on too uh, at the JCC no it was at the Transact Club so yeah like a real pivotal band in the development of, of Toronto um, <laughs> ah, who am I kidding I fucking love them that band rules <laughs> <laughs> I think he, you talked more about good clean, good clean fun than Crucial Youth though yeah I know I did. but I mean but, but that's part of our age, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was They're, the crucial youth know. of our time, right? Like, true. Yeah, for sure. Crucial well youth said. was was crucial youth was on uh, New Red Archives, though, right? Like, I always thought that was yeah. a weird thing about. Like, they went on for a long time too. Like, they took that to to the extreme. 
not, but compared to Good Clean Fun, it was like a part-time band. That's true. But yeah, I mean, it was the 80s, so they also, like, we're going to take a joke band on the road for, like, two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the 80s, like, like you got to think, like, there's, like, bands like, uh, what was the band of all little kids, Dave Martin? Old Skull. Old, Old Skull. Skull. Old Skull, yeah. 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 Like, that band, like, had two records, two LPs. Yeah, well, they don't want to go sure. Yeah, people love um, a gimmick. People love um, the gimmick. Yeah. I, was at, I was at an old school show, um, and I left before. Like, th- think about this: I was at an old school show in like 2000 or like 99. Um, Dude, that's have you heard the a, best show call? No, that is a best yeah, show yeah. call. <laughs> call, uh, but Dave Martin, one like, of the one of the funniest ones too, right? It is quite funny. It's amazing. You got to listen to it. There's no spoilers in that one. Everyone strongly recommend tracking that out. Um, <laughs> tracking that. But down. like, see, seeing old skull as like adults is like weird, dude. Because like, this is the best show call. In that. This is the exact best show call. <laughs> I, 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 the show was at Sea Squat. I, I, I full speed ahead played, and I'm like, I'm just gonna go home. Like, I'm not gonna stick around. <laughs> Who cares? But I know people that did. Please tell me uh, that this is verbatim the call. That would be amazing. No, it it it, it goes obviously in some pretty awesome twists and turns. I did listen to some best show today. Just to make you feel better, though. Dude, you got to hear this one. <laughs> this is honestly going to blow your fucking mind because it is your experience <laughs> um, in a phone call. I, in a good, clean, fun related, but I also feel like footnotes type com- conversation pivot. Good, clean, fun are a band that I saw after the second seven inch was like, yeah, I don't care. And then still proceeded to buy like their next three records because <laughs> I had a problem. <laughs> Did you own a record that had like a, a Prince cover, a black metal yeah. cover? Yeah. So you're thinking of two different records. They did a picture disc that was looked that looked like purple rain. And then they did the LP that had all the, like the crust cover, the promise ring cover, the regular yeah. U-Q cover and the black metal cover. You had, that? um, I had like a copy. I used to I look up it, to you like, so much. I used to think you were so much cooler than me, and now <laughs> I find out that I was actually maybe one record ahead of you. <laughs> I'm admitting. I'm admitting the problem, though. That like, I'm. Have you ever like bought a record from a band like I don't really care about this, and then still buy their next two records just cause? Because I did that a lot. I, uh, I stopped. I just I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> now that I think about yeah, it, yeah, it, that's the real problem with being complete. You know, yeah. you're like, well, yeah, no, that's it's what I do. I, I, I get those, and you're like, yeah, it takes you a while to realize that you need to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that's that's it. like there are definitely like labels that's like, oh, like shots fired. Like, oh, I'll buy this like Demad record. And then I'm like, ah, I never really listened to him. And they're like, oh, there's another one. Better buy that one. You know, and just like, <laughs> at a certain point, I'm like, I have like three Demad records. Like, I never play them. Why do I keep doing this? Agatha and like, these splits are like, <laughs> you imagine having that addiction? <laughs> but now, uh, like, when I see Agathocles records in the wild, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, wonder, I like pick it up to look at it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Put that back. <laughs> I was at a record store yesterday, and they had a, an abuse 7-inch on the wall. So it's it's cool to see a like a heavy hitter in, in the wild at least if even if it was very expensive. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, it was, I think it was called Sound Exchange. It was uh, in Houston. In Houston, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're old timers. Oh yeah, for sure. They had real funny autograph stuff. 
Wow. Yeah, it was on the wall for seven fifty. Ooh. Yep. That's what it was. That wasn't that how much they were charging for it when it was at hits and misses, or five hundred. No, it was it was about five. But either way, it's yeah. I mean, it's not like a terrible price per se, but like you know, this I'm not hardcore. Do that hardcore records yeah. collecting. It's yeah. uh, it's no joke. Yeah. Um, but that's like uh. I don't know, like it's it's cool when you see records in the wild, though. Like when you see a rare record in the wild, even if it's more slightly more expensive. It's always like, oh fuck, that's here. Yeah, they had that. They had a white cross, and then they had something else next to it. Like there was another, but like white cross was like fifty. I forget what the other record was. Oh, yeah, they yeah. had like a couple big records. And, like, oh. so and then a bunch I've of like, they had the a cool white cross in the wild a few times. Have you, any of you guys heard of the Metromania LP? No, no. Dave Martin specifically. This is like this like crazy no. new wave record. I got in Scar like it's from Scarborough. I got it in Toronto at this uh, LPs LPs, and my God, if this isn't one of the coolest new wave records I've ever heard, like post punk new wave. Huh. like it sounds almost like uh, like uh, what's this Dave from the per- from Perubu or HR when HR tries to sing at times vocally. Like a real mm. warbly kind of like vocal, and the music's super tight and super sick. And it's just like, found that in a record store the other week. You know, when you find that kind of stuff, I find that more than like even finding heavy hitters exciting. When you're just like new stuff that you've never heard of, and it's awesome. And yet, you still have to pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I just had to tell you guys about that record. Dave, right. this, this is why you need to help me get that imprint, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Reissue. Yeah. We'll do the Metromania reissue, and then we'll do uh, Kill by Epifat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did like the shout-out on the, uh, whatever, what was it, the Kool-Aid footnotes yeah. regarding uh, the uh, five-knuckle five chuckle reissue. Dude. Or, you yeah. know, vinyl version. <laughs> Dude, you, like, could you imagine if I had a, uh, a reissue label? There'd be so much sick skate punk from the '90s. If that got bootlegged, <laughs> they'd only have one place to look where it came from. <laughs> true. Edge from Very true. Edge, the professional wrestler from WWF. Not the guy from U2. No, not the guy from U2. <laughs> Yo, if uh, if if it turned out that Edge from U2's favorite band was Five Knuckle Chuckle. Uh, I think if if my head didn't explode, I would probably get like U two face tattoos, <laughs> like in celebration. You two would then become my favorite band by default. It would have to. They <laughs> would like Highlander into my favorite band position. <laughs> all right. I remember a guy with like a mustache goatee combo and a little, a little hat at all the snow jams watching. Side no, of but imagine he yeah. got into him like from a distance. Like he just like is like you know, over there in Ireland, sitting there, and he hears like a five knuckle chuckle CD randomly because he buys it at a CD store. You know, yeah. that's like, and then you just seek, <laughs> seeking out live tracks. <laughs> well, our our favorite athlete of all time here at Turned Out a Punk, Robbie Brookside. Uh, one night, mm. I'm smoking a bunch of weed and I'm listening to Two Line Filler. Right, like basically just a local band, and uh, I'm like, yeah, Two Line Filler, kind of underrated. Tweet that out. Robbie, Robbie Brookside tweets back like, "Mate, own the CD and the seven inch." <laughs> and it's like, 
How the hell did this guy get into two-line filler? Damien, life made right at that moment. Well, when you're high, Chris, that blows your fucking mind. Like, I'm just like, what? How? Anyway. All right. Mailbag. Can we go on to the next message now? Let's get on to a fucking mailbag. (laughs) All right, it's a long one, but we've done this one already, and I feel like we need to do it again because it includes uh, Dave, shore-style Dave, if you will. So I feel like we need to get to it. But uh, it's the Herba-related one. Uh, I played drums in a band called uh, United Supervillains. It's from Nick. Uh, we had an LPN d- uh, and a 7-inch on Derange. And se- sorry, LPN Derange, 7-inch on Havoc, pardon me. Uh, David Up, as he will henceforth be known, is easily one of the nicest people I met while touring. Him and Matt Molnar gave us a place to stay um, uh, after they, his band played at ABC No Rio. Probably won't remember this. And as it turns out, Dave, you did, correct? Oh, of course. I remember everything. It, uh, it turned out to be a big regret for Nick, he says. After our show at ABC, they took us to a bar in Brooklyn to hang out while they went to go see, he thought, Huggy Bear, which was incorrect. Uh, and at CBGB's, um, at CBGB's and afterward, they'd come pick us up. They asked us if any of us wanted to go to the to CB's with them. We all declined because money was tight on tour. Well, I never had another chance to go to CB's, and I've regretted it ever since. Anyhow, he mentions that you were great dudes, Dave. Um, but he mentions the Herba episode where we're talking about Chicago Fest and uh, and the fest in Columbus, Ohio that got shut down after Gordon Soley played. Uh, and he says he saw them twice and it happened to be at both those shows. If I remember right, the Columbus show was the first time I saw them. I'd seen Nine Shocks Terror a few times, so I knew what to expect to some extent. Herba says that they didn't encourage uh, people to get rowdy and... T- towns were trying to one-up each other each time they played uh which is probably true to some degree but here is what i re- recollect from the columbus show gordon solely set up started playing the drum uh there was a drum riser type thing that wedge set up on the rest of the band was on the floor behind wedge is a doorway some sort of a utility storage room Herba goes into that room comes out with an eight foot table with folding legs he sets up a table perpendicular to the stage climbs up on it starts singing uh He's also totally naked. He might have socks on. Now picture Tony standing on the table, screaming his head off, while his bits and pieces are eye level with the audience. Um, (laughs) Just wanted to make sure you had that image in your head. Then he goes uh, back to the utility room, comes out with a cinder block, proceeds to smash the cinder block through the table, which I think belonged to the venue, and pretty much all hell breaks loose after that. The place was an art gallery, and it pretty much got destroyed. They had a pegboard covering the windows which got ripped off light fixtures were getting hit with all sorts of flying debris i had to go outside a couple times because there was so much smoke from the fireworks in that place uh tony mentions he feeling bad because the show got shut down the rest of the bands didn't get to play but uh it was awesome he claims and that he also nick mentions he loves nine shocks but he thinks that gordon Soley were one of the greatest live bands he's ever seen and uh yeah and his band did not get to play uh the columbus fest either uh, with no justice, which was also crazy, <laughs> and that was the message. Anyway, Dave Ackerman, your thoughts? I, I'm I'm at all of those above mentioned things. Um, I don't. Yeah, I I couldn't remember if we played that show at ABC or if I was just there, but I guess we played it. Um, and then yeah, we went to go see Bratmobile at uh, Dumba Gardens, and nice. uh, so, I mean, CB's was not far, so we might have just offered to, like, show them where CB's was. But the show was in was in Dumba Gardens in Brooklyn, 
And it was, uh, I don't know if it was like the first Bratmobile reunion, but it was when they, like, they didn't have any new records out. So it was, it was just like them playing like the LP and the real Janelle and singles and stuff like that. Cool. Um, and it was super fun. Um, and yeah, we took them back to my parents' house and they were, they were, yeah, they were, you know, just, they're probably like basically my age and they were, you know, pretty timid on tour. Um, that regarding that fest, um, I want to say either I got there right before Gordon Sully started or during them playing. Um, but yeah, like I also drove from New Jersey to that show to have it get shut down and not play. So, but like, I feel like we, like, it might just be making the story better, but I feel like we arrived during the band that was playing that then got the show shut down and it's not close. Like it's like an eight hour drive. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, but I, I, I remember the pegboard and all that, um, and it was always uh, a ton of fun. I remember there being a lot of dildos. I don't know, like being thrown <laughs> around. Twas the era. And then, to, and then to just, just in case anyone's curious, whether or not I'm that was I'm, my art project, Dave. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's wondering if I'm, I'm, if Dead Nation was a real uh, oddball on Posse Numbers Fest, we then just drove to Wilkes Bar because we were playing that the next day and we had nowhere to stay <laughs> and we slept in the street in front of uh, the home base or whatever and then just wandered around Wilkes Bar waiting for like anything to open but I, I slept you know like I, I maybe I had a blanket I don't know but I slept in like on the sidewalk next to the car waiting you know, <laughs> to then roll up to like a place where everyone's like super prim and proper like youth crew show and like we slept in the street <laughs> Um, Mike and Jonah, no, sorry, Mike and Jonah, Mike and Josh got banned from Posse Numbers because they went on the roof during, <laughs> they wanted to go onto the roof of the building <laughs> and security banned them from going in. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's why I fucking <laughs> didn't play, but it could have been one of the reasons. This was, uh, I, I want to say like the day before like American Nightmare, like demo era and like Right Brigade played like everyone like lost their shit for Right Brigade. Like I wasn't there for it because I was at driving to Columbus to go home. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, then I like I feel like we left during the show. Like I don't think we stuck around. Like I feel like it was like just like a real like rock bottom feeling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for Dead Nation fans and ever played live uh, because like just to add to like everyone else being like the you know, matching haircut champion sweatshirts we're like let's just play this long song about suicide <laughs> and we did <laughs> didn't go over <laughs> yeah, it didn't it didn't uh, it was not a great show. like if, if we played fourth there have been three girl biscuits covers already on the show. <laughs> I'm, I, that's not a lie like that's a that's a, like whatever number of bands there were there were that many girl biscuits covers into the evening well, like, once again, like, twas the era. Yeah, style of the time. Yeah, style of the time. Uh, I, I think also the other thing that uh wanted to come out of that email, what is the gnarliest thing you've seen a singer do or a band do at a show, like, behavior-wise? Like, just, like, out of control, this is fucking dangerous behavior. Um, I remember seeing someone shoot bottle rockets out of their ass, but I don't remember if that was during their them playing. I think it was... It was the guy who was in the Verukers and was in Sick on the Bus, but I, I don't think it was during their set. I think it was just at fanfare <laughs> like of the show. Out. <laughs> yeah, it, it was at that old barn fest, which, like, if 
it's like that could be it's like its own conversation but it was like the most rogue punk festival ever i find anyone that went like i don't remember there being any like collecting of money like i don't remember there being like where you i don't remember where we went to the bathroom we like slept in the car it was like the most rogue like there was some crusty that like stole a car to drive to it and then on like day three of the fest they just like burned it in a big bonfire wow. like it was <laughs> It was the easily the most mad, like I don't know what the second most Mad Max like punk fest I ever went to, but uh, Spiderland Acres, yeah, Spiderland Acres, yeah, that's come up on the show. Yeah, but there was definitely like wine enemas, and there was uh, and there was bottle rockets. <laughs> Spiderland Acres, and, nine, yeah, Spiderland Acres up here was like that. They had people, open air people selling crack and and like heroin yeah. on the way in to the festival. Yeah, this yeah, it might as well have been like the the, the pagans gathering in. Dragnet the movie, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but yeah, this was uh, it, w- there was three years of it, and it's also just for fun fact where I met Timmy Hefner. Um, uh, of course, but, uh, you know, was, actually, when I met Timmy Hefner, uh, he got a ride in a, in a car with us in the middle when I was roading for Ruination in a separate car because Mike was that divorced from the band by this point, uh, <laughs> and he rode in the middle and he had picked up a record to buy you, like some seven inch. I can't remember. I think it was a Man's a Bastard split. Or something, and he's like, yeah. he's like, "Oh, Dave really wants this one, man. Dave's going to be really excited to get this, man." Yeah. Uh, uh, so that old barn fest, they did it three years in a row. The first year was like locals only, and no one knew about it. But I went to the second year and the third year, um, and it was like June of '98. Dead Nations had played three shows at that point. One of which was that New Jersey festival. And then at that fest, some kid comes up to me. And he's like, hey, you're in Dead Nation. And it's like, why does this someone in Wisconsin know who I am? Um, and it was Timmy Hefner. Because he'd, he'd roadied for Pig Destroyer, who also played that fest. And like he just remembers things. I don't know. But he was like the probably the youngest person there. Because I was probably like 18 or 19 at that fest. And he was he's younger than me. Um, and he was from Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's... But yeah. The next item you need to read, and it is the red uh, text flag of democracy schoolie D email from Tom Martin. <laughs> oh yes, our friend Tom Martin. Do we give him a shout out? Because when we originally recorded this, we did a big, a big shout out to Tom, but I don't know if we have given him a shout out since because Tom gave us a lot of cool gifts at the live in Philadelphia episode, and, and also, by us he means him. I think he gave, gave, me, he, gave he gave you records too. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dave Martin gave me records. <laughs> I thought he did too. No, not in Philadelphia. He gave, no. he gave you some seven inches. Well, uh, no, but okay. yes, nice he gave, man. gave us a sessions catalog for me. It gave me the. I'm record. sure it, re- it probably really let Chris down. It really shattered his day. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, uh, well he, he, uh, he, his, like, he revealed uh, his record label to me, which was a label that I was uh, previously unaware of. Put out records by bands like Plow United pop punk bands and had wrestling themed graphics how was i unaware of this label prior to this it's kind of a niche market but it's your niche it's my niche there's also there's a couple other people in that niche famous wwe wrestler Sami Zayn, famous wwe wrestler <laughs> seth rollins who named himself after henry rollins um okay fine Fuck i mean guys. i'm i'm, we need I'm a, currently a on tour with nightbirds which, which is like f- pop punk fans and wrestling fans. I know, so. I know. I was like, if the, if if every member of Nightbirds Voltron into one person, it would be like 
a way, 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 way too perfect of a person for me not to marry. Does your wife listen to these? There's like weed, wrestling, <laughs> like deep record collecting in there. Yeah, you know, family vibes too. It would mm-hmm. be. I'd have to marry that person. Sorry, yeah. Lauren. On Valentine's Day, no less. <laughs> it's not Valentine's Day, is it? Not just yet. In okay, can, good. In Canada, it is. Two hours for you, Dave. Two hours for you. It's Canadian right, Valentine's right. Day. <laughs> um, we celebrate it a uh, day before. Okay, re- read the okay. message. <laughs> I know at least seven people whose favorite band is FOD, so fuck you, Dave. One of the first shows I ever played was with Plow and FOD. Uh, they had already uh, been playing for 10 years and were huge, quote-unquote. I remember scratch, and that is actually what it says, quote-unquote. Uh, I remember scratching... Uh, I remember scratching my head, I assume, wondering uh, what was going on stage. Five years later, I would sell Dave the bass player candy bars at the Westchester CVS when he was on his lunch break from QVC. He's a character. I met Schooly earlier this year when he was upset that he couldn't get his daughter into the Pierce the Veil show. He <laughs> <laughs> he kept uh, uh, he kept screaming how can uh, how everyone should know who he is. I made him split a, a spit a verse of Mr. Big Dick to confirm his identity and got his daughter tickets. Um, and then he's also sending a copy of the flyer for that show. And also met Robbie Brookside at work, gave him a special duties and Violent Society shirt. He was very nice and sang me a special duties song. <laughs> How fucking sick is that? <laughs> That's awesome. Wait, did he give him a? Sp- was it? Wait, just curious. Was it a special duties and violent society, or was it a special duties violent society shirt? Because violent society is a special duties song. Uh, I think it's. I think he gave him a violent society shirt too. Okay. I gave him a special duties and violent society but, shirt. I'm. I'm going to interject here. I'm going to call bullshit on seven. Like, I believe that there's, you know, one, two, possibly even three people out there who'd be like, oh, my favorite band, FOD. But seven? Seven. I think that's pushing it. I think I could get seven. I want some, like, just to, I don't know. Just, I want depositions. I want, you know, sworn affidavits, all that sort dude, of stuff. we live in a world where there's a Joan of Arc documentary. You cannot I, buy that there's seven people that have FOD as their favorite band. I was just gonna say, is there is there an FOD documentary? Because that's how we gauge popularity of bands. No, you have to have at uh, least ten people be your favorite band before you get that. <laughs> Maybe they could get like a GoFundMe page for those three more fans, so they can get the documentary made. When, when I'm when I'm back home, I will I will give Shadow Your Day another spin, and I'll I'll report back. I will say that the Plow United's cover of Geronimo's Geronimo's theme might be the modern day equivalent of Here Comes the Night as far as the cover version being vastly superior to the original version. And by that I mean the Rivals cover, not Dave Bowie's cover. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I need to... I saw Plow a handful of times uh, just because they play North Jersey. But I never really think about them otherwise. Plow, Plow to me stole like a couple tribute comps that were otherwise... You know, like kind of like, oh yeah, that's all right. But they, they, their covers would be killer. And I mean, the Descendants cover, tribute comp, homage, homage, mm-hmm. um, which has their covers amazing on it. And actually, the other cover that's awesome on there is Thrush Hermit, right, Chris? Shout out to Canada, boom. Love Thrush Hermit. I never heard that cover though. 
Dude, it's killer. It is so fucking good. The rest of the comp, uh, got to give it another spin, but I remember it not being so hot. And then also Punk Rock Jukebox, Plow United, that's where they do the FOD cover. And that is an awesome cover. Um, I'm looking at Shatter Your Day, the cover, which uh, always bothers me to no end because it's got a horrible cover. <laughs> How what are you but, talking yeah, about? Yeah. If that record was hard, you guys would think that was the coolest looking cover. I have no, no problem way. With I just think that cover is awful. But the no. character running out of the the house has an FOD shirt on, which I think yeah, is fun. I guess he didn't know it was like picture day, and he's like wearing his own band <laughs> shirt. Anyway, I just think that's bizarre. But anyway, continue. Yo, how did how did that record not make that list Dave Martin had of horrible record covers? Uh, because <laughs> well, it's a little well, deeper the, than the surface. It's not the list that I had. It's the list that I saw. <laughs> yeah. Please do not attribute that, that thing to me. <laughs> that list. <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. And uh, well, there's a certain a certain website with a this. Um, fond of, you know, clickbait type lists, uh, with you know, I don't know, stupid. So that's as much as I'm saying. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, if, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll give the record a spin when I'm not on the road, so to speak. I'm not going to like YouTube the album and use, you know, do it now. Do it in the van. Do it now. We'll stay on the phone. Do it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If I'm in a uh, a Wi-Fi scenario when I when I wake up three hours before everyone else, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm sure it's on there. If it isn't, then I I stand my case. Um, I don't know. Is, is the Buy Our Records discography on Spotify now? That's gotta that's gotta be the uh, the real question. And I wonder. There's no way the whole discography is. There's a well, like the other thing I'm looking at now. It says the label went bankrupt in 1990. I wonder what finally did it. Like, I wonder what was the record that broke them uh, raging slab it's got to be like a raging slab record right <laughs> i mean raging slab clearly went on to success so it couldn't have been that yeah but that's the thing uh, that yeah. kills your label right like we all know that's the thing that like nearly killed sub pop was nirvana's huge success and like uh and the same thing with the offspring and, and epitaph and and oh at the at the drive-in and uh, and grand royal and god both Dave Martin and I know that fucked up's huge success nearly destroyed Matador. <laughs> <laughs> that may not the last. Um, I, last I stand by. Uh, Raging Slab were not a success for Byron. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's no way that like imaginary midget western was a, was a huge one flying off the shelves either. Um, I'm sure it did better than Raging Slab. I, mean, I don't know. You think I, really? I owned one of those records. Yeah, sure. So yeah. yeah, I mean they were they were a band that people knew of and liked and had toured everywhere. Raging Slab was just, I mean, for whatever reason that record came out, and then they quickly hustled into whatever their bullshit first major label deal was. <laughs> you know, so I mean, but I don't. It's not like, like kids were like it was just uh, it was a confusing, weird record in all the wrong ways. And, and I'd say it, it holds up in that way. It's confusing, weird, and ultimately <laughs> awful. But Are we talking about AOD or Raging Slab? Raging Slab. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What major label um, but, deal with AOD? <laughs> no, I was just yeah. talking about that no. last AOD record as being like confusing and awful, but, you know, I'm like, I don't know. 
<laughs> I, I highly recommend people looking for the Raging Slab Don't Dog Me video on their YouTube or whatever. Because it, I remember it being like just a, a bunch of like long hairs like playing on the back of like a flatbed truck. I haven't revisited this video in, since it was you know in rotation, but I'm sure it holds up. It's exactly as you described, yes. <laughs> I have what about the fact that Flag of Democracy put out a record in 1996 called Everything Sucks? <laughs> <laughs> and no well, one they noticed. They thought someone didn't do a good job of a record called Everything Sucks. Well, I think, I think they beat The Descendants, right? No, was that 97, that Descendants record? I think no, I think that's maybe... 96 or 97. Yeah. <laughs> I should... That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that they probably should have. You think it was like a doggy dog warrant situation where they were just you know having fun calling each other out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely that. It, they, and it, I'm sure it did not impact at all on the FOD sales. No, I don't think so. I mean, if anything, it would have it would have helped their sales from someone just like get, putting it on a Christmas list and their parents <laughs> going Sam Goody and getting the wrong one. Same year, by the way. Same year they both came wow, out. Wow, that is true. Yeah, same year. Wow. And uh, I can confirm that uh, FOD's cover on that record is also terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. That one, I will say, is pretty bad. <laughs> I like how the if references... If you look closely, though, the house from the cover of the yep. first record is in the window. Dude, and it's like the smiley face people in the picture, and he's got the smiley face in yeah. his hand. It's a callback. It's like it's continuity, yeah. Like they were really big on continuity with these album covers. So yeah, and, and I know that there are at least seven people that got that <laughs> joke, and they were really feeling that. <laughs> Man, I, I I I think it's super funny to just like pick FOD as a band to like just rag on because like <laughs> I don't actually have any animosity towards FOD. No, like, neither do I. Well, we've done a pretty and shitty I, I, job of hiding that. Hatred. <laughs> I, I think it's. Super, I think they're a real fun target. To be honest, I think it's like. Because I mean, like, if you were to like, 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 let's just make fun of like the trouble at the Choo Choo record. Like, no one's gonna get it. But like, you know, FOD. You know, at least you know the name. Yeah, I'm looking at the FOD put out a seven inch in 1993 on Deaf American Recordings. You know that label? Are you familiar with this label? A little bit, yeah. They had that 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 band, Wait. that Slayer band. No, 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 no. D- the other Deaf American. D- oh, so not Slayer what? and 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 uh, Danzig. No, this is the Deaf American that did the Brutal Truth seven inch, and they did an Agathocles. Oh, the Black Army jacket split, and they did like the first Rambo tape. E A F, not E F. Yeah, yeah, and they did the Brutal Truth rupture split and stuff like this. I guess, I guess they just like doing sound alikes, like with everything stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other, once again, like, oh, Rick Rubin, some guy, long hair with Ultimate Warrior, sunglasses, produced this thing. No. <laughs> but this is like the, what a weird label. My God, yeah. what a diverse range of, not even that diverse. It's like a lot of power violence stuff and I guess like grindy stuff and then Flag of Democracy. Maybe, maybe, that, era F, maybe that era FOD's power violence. Yeah. Oh, they also put out a record that never came out, and it's a Phobia Corrupted Split. How did that not exist? That must exist in some other format. No, I don't know. It's like, and it's an, uh, I don't know, like it's only a a test press. Oh, no, there's a, came out as a picture disc, but on another label. Oh, that's it. Oh, Deaf American got robbed. They probably like, totally, we'll do that. And then they're like, oh, wait, this is the wrong Deaf American. (laughs) 
Hold the press. Stop the press. Stop the press. We're not putting it out. (laughs) We're not putting it out. Oh, no. Deaf America's got a credit. Okay. I I just was fucked. Okay. Let's move on. (laughs) You want to read the next one, Dame, or you want me to? You take it. All right. This is a message from Neil or Mackie, uh, who is a previous guest, of course, uh, former member of Blitz. Yeah. He Um, he was a little band called Blitz. You might have heard of him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it says, hi, Damien. I finally got the rhythm stuff on CD. Oh, no, we don't have to worry about the beginning stuff. We can leave all that. Stuff. Okay. So which part do you want me to address? The Blitz bit? No, just the, yeah, the stuff at the end about the flexi. Okay. So just a bit about the Blitz flexi. It was kind of a promo for the album. In the UK, there was a magazine it came with. I think it was uh, Flexi Pop, but I might be mistaken. There was a little storyboard thing with it also. And he provided a link to a pop psych auction which showed it um this is for blitz uh fanatic we talked about this before this was like something that came up with this show i was trying to figure out the origins of this flexi this is like we were saying this is like the rarest blitz release it seems yeah it's it's a propaganda in moscow an a-side flexi uh i can't tell who put it out though or what the magazine is. Well, it but. says, yeah, included is a th- th- uh, the magazine's three-page photo story about the band Blitz. The company. Yeah, it doesn't right. say what the magazine is, though. No. What? But, uh, the magazines used to do that stuff, though. Was it? Did Flipside come with seven inches? Uh, did Suburban Voice come with... Like, I Suburban feel like I had Voice a couple, does, like, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like I remember having other magazines that had, like, random, like, flexies in them, like... I feel like there might have been a magazine that had like a Dinosaur Jr. Flexi or something like that. This seems like more like a Dave Martin question, but like I feel like there was that was just a thing in parts some parts of the nineties even. So probably Well yeah, I mean it was well. it was ridiculously cheap. Um I think, you know, when you were getting the flexi is they were you know probably somewhere, you know, in the fifty cents a unit, you know, or like it was ridiculous. It was so much notes, and seven inches were like just over a dollar a piece to get made. So, like, you know, um, you know, if you added that onto the price, you know, it was it, it didn't make much of a difference. You know, there were flexies into the '90s too, because Grand so. Royal came with a flexi in one issue. I think on the Lee Perry cover, that issue came with a flexi. Yeah, and then also Vice in one of the early Vice issues came with a lens flexi. Um, right, I, got, I want to. Sorry to interject real quick. Master bag was the uh, the listing on the discog, so I'm guessing that might be the magazine. Okay. Anyway, continue. Okay. Like the big flexi plant in America, I think closed in the late '90s. Yes. And that's kind of what killed flexis in general. And they I think they have, were like super Christian, so I think yeah, that's it was hard I, to get certain things through. Yeah, that was a story, right? They were really, really religious and like. No one could get anything pressed that had any sort of political or subversive kind of, like, bend to it. But, but then Max Ward did a like, flexi, right? Yeah, there was a short, fast, loud one or something like that. Or yeah. I, I, what the hell was that called? But it had, like, Japanese bands on it. But Bandana like, also, Thrash. I think it's called the band. That's the original Bandana yeah, Thrash, Dave. You're that's, right. You're that's right. That's the start of the Thrash Wagon, Dave. Yeah, I had it. Um, so did I. It's a killer record. Because uh, I think, like, Consensus Reality, like, there was, like... At least one. If there's two mass control flexes, I think there's the recycle and die, and then there's like the suppose like battle of disarm. Mm-hmm. But like you don't know what mass control is saying. 
you know? <laughs> so you could probably just work a lot of that through. I mean, and I feel like you also have to do, like, a minimum pressing of, like, 2,000. Yeah. Because I think Dead Nation looked into it, like, real, like, casually. And then I think that plant closed during that window we were looking. And we're like, well, we don't really need to do that, so it's fine. And we didn't need 2,000 of anything. So... <laughs> Well, I have a flexi now. Like we did, fucked up did a flexi last year, but I think that's because in the check they do them, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so now it's and I said, and readily. the new uh, the new Zodiac record also has a flexi. I think uh, the new one. Yeah. Oh. Pre or pre up now. You know, get your picture disc and flexi. There you um, go. The rough the rough kids did a picture disc flexi like holiday thing that they like mailed out. It's like a, them, like with like a funny like Christmas card photo, and it's a, a flexi. We're saying we swagger jacked him, Dave. Is that what you're telling me? I'm just saying it's been done. Well, it wasn't mine. Well, no, I, but, the, <laughs> but the, the the new Zodiac record is a picture disc that also comes with a flexi. So how's that rank in your flexi. your formats, Dave? You know, for a long time, fucked up have been really trying to push me off the bus. I think <laughs> we might have finally done it. Yeah. <laughs> the picture just did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the unfortunate thing is with the, uh, the picture disc format is that there isn't a 10 inch picture disc. I don't think available. Yeah, to I know. To make, um, you know. Well, yeah, there was the bad brains. Or I think it's a nine inch, the bad brains, Omega sessions that victory did in the nineties. That was probably a ten inch, right? That was nine, nine inches inch. too Japanese. I think it's like or no nine Japanese inch. are eight inches. Sorry, yeah, Japanese was eight inch. I think it's it like, was a ten inch. I, was it? It was a ten inch. Okay, I thought it was like a weird yeah. side thing, but I'm looking at it now, and it's just because it's in one of those plastics, so I can't really gauge it compared to the other ten inches. Um, but yeah, you know, ten inch picture disc might be the worst format ever for a record. I don't know if I ever owned any. Omega, you don't know this Bad Brains victory record? No. No. <laughs> You're missing out, my friend. I think it came without picture disc, too, though. I think it just came regular, didn't it? Did yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a regular version, but I've never owned it, so I don't know. Yeah, and then they did a weird CD right. packaging, too, for it, I remember, when it came out. Um, great record, though. That band's pretty good, the Bad Brains. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it was a Gloom record. There was a picture disc LP in a gatefold sleeve as far as just throwing money into a fire. <laughs> what about the death threat record that was a gatefold sleeve of a hot dogs? The hot dog machine? The yeah. hot dog machine. <laughs> At a time when that was like that was like the most like the the most like lavish thing you could possibly do. And they they just had hot dogs in it. A nice yeah, full yeah. color gatefold. Yeah, and a full color gatefold. Yeah, yeah that I have, was nice. Yeah, <laughs> I I have a little test that I like to call gatefold worthy. Mm-hmm. Where you know it's you just open it up, and if you're not like if you don't gasp, then you probably shouldn't have done a gatefold. Yep. <laughs> you know. Yep, I, I agree. I like those records that were gatefold like books. Like you open it like the Flux Bank Indians LP. But you open Christian that as like a style booklet. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really just making your label pay for it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but I think I think also the one my favorite gatefold is. Have you ever seen the cough gatefold for their? I think it's the first LP. Pretty pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it would pass the Dave Martin 
uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to gonna have to look it up, but I've I've not seen it. Uh, okay. Well, we will leave that to an author experience, Tip. Dave. Um, yeah. <laughs> next email. All right. I think uh, it's a really long one relating to Rancid. If you want to read it, or how do you want to do it? Just, just like their records. He's like, hey, <laughs> let me just list their songs real quick. And then, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to tell you a story about where one. I was when Rancid played Saturday Night Live. A short backstory. I was born in Bakersfield, California, and I moved to New Orleans when I was 10 years old. When I was 15, my family had a sort of family reunion at my aunt's house in Bakersfield. We went on vacation to join the party, too. Fortunately, I decided to wear my Subhumans the Day shirt because I was sitting at a table looking through the lyrics of my just-purchased Social D self-titled CD. And he says, ew. Um, I don't know what the self-titled... What's the self-titled one? What songs are on that? Is that, like, the big one? Um, it's, uh... I don't know. It's not the one with, like, bad luck, but it's around that. Okay. I, I rem- yeah. Uh, the one and only Camilla Parks uh, sat down uh, next to me and said, do you actually listen to Subhumans or are you just wearing the shirt? So cool. I had no clue who she was. Apparently my uncle used to teach uh, uh, with uh, Cam- uh, uh dad and they just uh, happened to visit my uncle the same weekend or whatever. Anyway, we started talking punk and she was uh, the first person I had met at the time that knew a lot of the bands I love. We hit it off. Learned that she was part of the Gilman which was like meeting a god or some shit. She told me I should visit her one day so she could show me the bay. We exchanged addresses before she left. Side note. Oh my gosh, this is a long email. We soon uh, sent me a tape with Dead and Gone, Grups, Iconochrist, etc. Changed my life. On Rancid on SNL. About a year later, I finally talked my dad into letting me go visit. Uh, how, how do you pronounce her name? Is it? I do not know. You know that I famous lookout recording artist. Camilla in the Berkeley. Unfortunately, uh, he just uh, had to go too. I was so excited. Uh, the Bay Area Berkeley scene was the scene to me back then. I wanted to hear every band from there. I love pretty much every band from there. All that shit. I'm pretty sure uh, you know the feeling. So we went to hang out, go to the Gilman, blah, blah, blah. I ended up staying at her house one night. There was a bunch of punks sleeping over that night too. It was amazing. I had, uh, I had done nothing punker before. Earlier that day, she told me her roommate was on tour. I asked what band. She didn't talk. Uh, she didn't want to talk about it. I didn't understand. I knew that Rancid was playing on SNL that night. So at some point in the night, I yell in the middle of the room, full of the punkest people I'd ever met in 1995 in Berkeley at the time, uh, when it was probably the, some frustration about what was going on in the scene. Hey, y'all! Rancid's going to be on SNL tonight. All happy and shit. They weren't as excited at all. They didn't even want to watch it. I didn't understand why and had to literally talk them into putting it on. As soon as the TV went on, Rancid was there blazing on the scene. Uh, they punks, uh, the punks were laughing at it, whatever. Rancid rule. Afterwards, I went up to Camilla and asked her uh, what was everyone's problem. She was kind of explained it to me. I kind of understood and felt a little embarrassed. At some point, I asked something like, oh, you probably know them or something. And that's when she told me that Matt fucking Freeman was a roommate. Uh, it was freaking uh, me the fuck out inside. Totally trying to play it cool. I'm going to sleep at Matt Freeman's house. I kept telling myself, Rancid uses the toilet. That's Rancid's couch. I mean, can you imagine? So crazy. So, the night Rancid played on SNL, I was actually at Matt's house, and also found out later 
that we fed Lars's cat. All right, that's a go, great, great email. Um, and I could only imagine, thank you for sending that in, Phil, uh, how that was. I was at a, a, a cast party for a school play. I, I do enjoy that that interaction begins with that person just calling him a poser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seemed like that was like that. It was like war, right? <laughs> like they, they. Hey, you like that band? You're just wearing the shirt. <laughs> well, that yeah. was like that was the time, right? Like when you, you probably felt like your scene was being taken away from you. Yeah, I mean, I met a girl. Well, this is more uh, Molnar met a girl that I met because of Molnar um, at at a theme park. Who's wearing a flipper shirt, and she was just wearing a flipper shirt because like it was like a, a Kurt Cobain shirt, yep. so to speak. Yep. Not because she liked generic, mm-hmm. but yeah, we, 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 we like generic. But you know, it was the early '90s, so that was like as close as you were going to like be to like finding girls into what you were into. So we're like, all right, we'll just hang out with them. Yep. Well, you know what? That's <laughs> the uh, like. I guess that's the thing. It was like at the time you were like, you, you kind of you, you. You were either into this music or you were just like into Nirvana and whatever Nirvana told you to like. Or by that point, I guess Green Day. Um, yeah. And or rancid, um, but they were. Uh, I don't like that's the thing. It's, it's it's funny to think about, and Lars talks about it a lot on his episode, like what it must have been like for for them and for the people around them when like shit started to explode. Because like, I imagine it it changed the way people looked at them. You know, it did. Oh, it for did sure. It, you know, um, and then to be something where you're like part of the scene. You know, like you're you're people's roommates and like. They're they're no longer necessarily cheering for your success. Like I, I don't I don't know I don't think I have any friends that have ever played on Saturday Night Live. You know. Um. No. Uh. Do you ever play any big TV shows? No, it's not true, Dan. Who, who? Arcade Fire. Oh yeah, the Arcade Fire played on SNL. Sorry, that's uh, that's correct. Uh, yeah, but uh, that was before I knew them. But like, I don't actually know they played on it again afterwards. But like. Um, Has Slaybells played S- SNL? Oh, I wonder if Slaybells did play SNL. <clears throat> they may. They, did. they definitely did. Yeah, it was like they did one of those. I can't yeah. remember if it was SNL or they like did SNL. One. They definitely did SNL. Um, but no, I don't really, I don't really know her, but I know her boyfriend, and you know, I've seen her at shows because she's dated the same dude forever, and he yeah. was like in bands with Andy Scarpool and stuff. Dude, and she lived at uh, what's it fucking called? Uh, Croutons. Croutons. Yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, like I I knew, Alexis. but like it wasn't like I don't. It's not like you know, like a lot of like my close friends have ever played on that thing, you know. Like, so to have like a you know that to me is still like a big deal, you know. Like, it's it's I don't know very many artists that get to play on it or musicians that get to play on it. Like, I would think I would be even be like legit freaked out if I ever got the opportunity to do something like that. But so like to to like have people around you be going through that would be. Uh, Especially at that time, kind of a mind fuck. You need to get your management working on that, Dame. Well, I'm in a band <laughs> with a swear word uh, for a name, so we were told quite explicitly when we were uh, unbooked from one of the shows we were supposed to do. I forget which show because of the name that we were not going to be on TV. You probably should have just tried to work uh, like Pink Eye into it then. <laughs> I just call the band Pink Eye. No, just have that. You know. Just have one of your other projects. <laughs> just play on the show. Yeah, like, hey, I got yeah. this other thing. No, I, I think, uh, I don't think they're beating down our door to get us to play on it enough that they would accept my side project. You know, my kids don't understand how my band never got to play on Yo Gabba Gabba. Like, it's just like, 
confounding to them. They're like, yeah, but did you did you try? Did you did you did you try to get on there, Dad? Like, really? You, so in in the in the uh, in the, in your household, does fuck just fly? Like, can your kids say that at any age? Like, you've just taken back that swear? Well, no, you can't because at school, right? You're not you're not allowed to say it. So they still know there's like, you know, but it's we're big into the idea that there's like two different types of 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 cuss words right there's swear words which are just you know arbitrary words that people have decided are offensive and there's hate speech and hate speech uh-huh. could be anything as mild as like dumb or stupid um and you know obviously real hate speech is also in there and like so like you know things like that you know like we don't want them to do that as much as like but if they just say fuck it's not as you know Mm-hmm. as much of a big deal as some other words that would be used to actually hurt people or bring people down. So they would understand why, like, the stupids or the dumb-dumb girls couldn't play SNL. Yeah, they would be like, they, you know, they were like, that to them is, like, the most, you know, they're like, what? There's a band called The Stupids? Oh, my God. The dumb-dumb yeah. girls? Holy <laughs> shit. Oh, That's yeah, they mean. Would, they would be, yeah, they would not, they would not get it. But whereas shitloads of fuck all, totally cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're. Yeah, they're just we're just fucking up, up our kids. That we're really trying to do, Dave. We're just trying to make them as fucking weird as possible. <laughs> they're just up there singing along to all the hard skin songs. <laughs> no, <laughs> they did spend all day in the no hard tub. seas. Too many hard seas in hard skin. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'd say there is. Yeah, yeah, so they wouldn't be allowed to listen to hard skin. That would not fly uh, in my house. But you guys have that British connection. You feel like that the, the hard seas would fly. Trust me. In my house, <laughs> the hard seas do not fly. <laughs> you want to fuck around and get your head split open, come over to my house and drop a hard sea, Dave. I'm not, I'm not, this is not me threatening you, my friend. I just know there's other people in my house that that shit would not fly. <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> you can play all the punk plunk points you want you know so you know, be forewarned don't come over here with drop in singing your singing your, singing your British oil lyrics right. yeah well you gotta get to work Dave yeah you know sorry well wait, uh, this I'm, I'm, sorry go on I was gonna say you know I'm the Draculas are, are not on yet so I'm when this band stops, I will probably then have to go. Wait. But there's still a band currently playing. Are you on tour with the Draculas? So Draculas are doing all the Texas shows. Tomorrow we go to, to Mexico. Okay. So Draculas did Austin, Dallas, Houston, and the, tonight's McAllen. Wow. Okay, that's right. So have you had a chance to talk to Zach Blair about the coolest moment in Turned Out of Punk history, finding out about Zach Blair and MVP's friendship? I've had a lot of talks with Zach Blair. He is a great human being, eh? Yeah. Yes. As as I mentioned off air, this has been a, a three person turned out a punk epi- like every day tour, and then at the Dallas show there were four. Because besides Brian Gorsegner, myself, and and Zach, we also had uh, Riley Gale of Power Trip. And also, nice. was Hood there or no? What was Hood there from Power Trip? Uh, I didn't see. I, no, they didn't play, so I okay. didn't see him. I think he was just there. He's like, uh, well, because if, if who was there, that would have been four, because he's in the, or five, because he's in the Riley episode, too. Yeah. Four. 
I, uh, I, I blew out my voice Friday, and uh, so I could not talk at all on Saturday. And I don't really quite know why. I haven't lost my voice in a bit, but I was totally voiceless uh, on Saturday. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Let's do part two of this, and we can try and do more damage in the mailbag next week, if everyone's cool with that. Uh, just I will be uh, in Mexico, but we'll I will f- do my, my darndest. We'll figure it let out. Let me know what night. Yeah, really get the, the, the full North America... Uh, group together. Yeah, the NAFTA um, memorial. <laughs> the last yeah. time before you can never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>